Hello, everyone, and welcome to Cyber Monday. This is our October edition. So for those who don't doesn't know us, uh, we are First Mover. We are a satellite center of excellence for anything to do with e-commerce education, change management, as well as temporary work services. But we are mainly known as people that put a lot of interesting content out there just because, you know, we see what's going on on LinkedIn. We, you know, we can see what's going on uh, within the B2B marketing space. And a lot of the times is is pretty boring. So we try to spice it up a little bit. And as you all know, um, Chris Perry, who is my business partner, he's a, definitely a master edutainment within the industry. So that's kind of like our spin um, in terms of what we are trying to add value-wise. But um, I just want to introduce myself very quickly. I'm sure you know me uh, because of my accent. So I'm Oskar Kaszubski. I'm the chief growth officer uh, and co-founder of First Mover. Uh, my background is 18 years in e-commerce. I started in direct-to-consumer, where Amazon was just selling books and DVDs. Then I was at Pharma, then running e-commerce for Kimberly Clark, Mondelez, and Kellogg. Unfortunately, Chris Perry could not make it today. So uh, Todd Hassenfeld from Colgate was graciously enough to just step in. So Todd, welcome. And could you just say a few things about you? Thank you, Oscar, for having me, and an honor to uh, to fill in here for Chris, and, and thank you for everything First Mover does. Uh, I am Todd Hassenfeld. I am at Colgate Palmolive. I'm on the uh, global digital organization in charge of strategy and execution. I've been with Colgate a little over two years, um, but I am lucky enough to have both brick and mortar and e-com experience. I've been at startups. I've been at big companies and companies in between, like Simple Mills, Glamber Performance Nutrition, others. So thank you for having me and excited for the conversation and what is always a busy and exciting time. Oh, no, that's for sure. You know, there's always something going on e-commerce. And I think that's what a lot of that's that's the reason why a lot of us just love it. Um, but let's talk uh, just a few things. You know, so as you all know, we have a lot of events that we are putting throughout the year. Um, you know, we usually have one or two major events each month. And then, of course, you know, Cyber Monday is each month. Uh, too. So, you know, as you can see from the calendar, uh, there is always something going on at First Mover, either category events, you know, strategy, future off events. So I highly kind of recommend if you are thinking about the future to just kind of tune in. Uh, and of course, Cyber Monday, which you are, you know, part of. And the reason why we created Cyber Monday is just to kind of create a little bit of a digest of e-commerce news, because it's very easy to miss things. And it's very easy to, you know, just, you know, to really be caught up to the space. So that's why we have Cyber Monday. We have this, you know, we have this also, also as a podcast. And then, of course, after the event, we're going to send you the link uh, to the deck. So if you have any news that you want to share with your organization, it's very easy. You can just copy paste them into your decks. And then, you know, we have all the sources um, written up. So it's it's very easy. And of course, you know, let's not forget about our Torch program. So we actually have a Torch program um, where, you know, you actually get credit for all of the different education and all of the different events that you, you know, come to learn uh, with us. Um, so if you even just join in today for the first time, it's it's very simple. You know, send us an email to torch at firstmover.com. And just for joining today, you can actually get a certification right away. Um, and it's a digital certification. You can put it on LinkedIn. It's personalized to you. 
And, you know, as, as Chris always says, you know, we, we have actually a lot of people within our serious certification, which is 56 and plus hours of learning. So a lot of people spend a lot of time with us. Um, and, you know, we are actually very, you know, grateful for it just because of what we are trying to do is just, you know, making sure that you're up to date in terms of what's going on out there. And, you know, it's not always all about interviews and podcasts. This is more like more serious learning. So that's kind of our spin on the on the industry when it comes into that. But the way we actually divide the news is, is very simple. Uh, you know, we are looking at from both the competition, from digital um, you know, change management, as well as, you know, we're paying attention to the shelf and what's going on within the retail because the dynamics between e-commerce and and, and, and store is also very important. Um, so I think, you know, from that perspective, it's just very easy to follow. Um, you can actually see all of the different icons on each of the pages. So, Todd, are you, are you ready to start to let's talk about the news? I love it. Let's get Cyber Monday started for this month. Oh, uh, that's right. Well, so first of all, you know, the 20, uh, 2023 U.S. Um, online holidays are expecting to hit about $221 billion, uh, which is, you know, 4.8% bump over the last year. Um, uh, basically, at the moment, inflation is about 4 to 3%. So we still see net positive growth when it comes into that. Um, but what was kind of interesting for me uh, when we were looking at this news is that 17 billion of that 221 billion um, is actually going to be uh, uh, used through buy now, pay later. So we definitely see a little bit of a bump from last year. But Todd, what's your take on on this? Um, you think this is kind of like a normal behavior or like what do you think? Well, I, I mean, the buy now, pay later or just credit card debt, which is constantly increasing right every every new report says it's it's inching up um I, i'm nervous that the consumer needs to spend uh for whatever reasons or wants to spend and you see these numbers even with um you know these year-over-year increases on top of the inflation but when does this bill come due and I, i'm afraid that we're only looking at the buy now part and not the pay later and just what is this going you know at what point if and when uh, does this change how consumers spend? So I think it's you know it's positive to see this headline. I think it's it's good you know as all the categories that are mentioned you know that you know, toys, electronics, apparel. When you think about this, are all going to have increases. Obviously, a lot of gifts and, and and all positive things there. But at what point does the pay later part become an issue that we're talking about? Yeah, no, absolutely. It's 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 a challenge. And, you know, one of the things that I think you and I talk a lot about is when we see, you know, buy now, pay later for things that are like, for example, pet food. And we know there are situations out there. And, you know, it's that's the one that is a little bit of a tricky just because of, you know, if you have a if you are a pet parent, you constantly need that food. So pushing the payment of that, it's it makes it very difficult to kind of get out of that cycle, you know, in terms of the debt. Yeah, for a lot of things where you have to buy it, absolutely understand um, it's just how, how much of the things are discretionary or what purchases um, would be impacted that that are not necessities necessarily. And I'm you know just just nervous at what point that comes uh, comes true. Then you know, of course, you know we just had the Prime Big Deal Days event, you know the two day event. 
the news is actually uh, very positive. Um, it's a little bit down from July Prime Day, but you know, July Prime Day, it's not there's you know not really a lot of retail holidays around it, and you know everybody knows that Cyber Monday, Black Friday is coming. Uh, so that's why you know the the October time frame is not always you know the best time frame, but nevertheless you know what we saw fifty five percent place two or plus separate orders, and the average household spend is about one hundred twenty four dollars and and ninety cents uh, and nine cents, and then eighty five percent said that the sale was primary reasons for them for shopping, and seventy two percent of people also shop during Prime Day in July. Um, what's interesting for me is um, was especially the two plus separate orders because we've been seeing that Amazon's been actually pushing for actually combining the orders um, when you when you basically pick Amazon Prime Day they give you now an extra percentage um, on Amazon Visa so versus five percent cash back you would actually get six percent cash back but to be honest it's pretty hidden within. Um, uh, you know, the kind of Amazon UI. So, like, not a lot of people actually see that. Um, but, Todd, what's your take on, on on the, you know, October uh, Prime Big Day deal uh, days, you know, uh, event? Let's call it Prime Day, October Prime Day, you know, et cetera. So, what, what's your thinking about that? Yeah, I mean, it's, of course, Amazon is always going to say it was the biggest event, and at least this time it said it wasn't as big as we'll call it the summer prime day versus fall prime day. But I think your point on on the shipping piece is, is interesting. I mean, how, how many products do we all need as consumers really same day, you know, one day? But the fact that Amazon has... You know, push that up either to your you know, your Amazon Ship Day or to that six you know six percent back on the Amazon credit card. Um, I, I would love to see you know the data overall. Uh, how many consumers are picking that now, and how has it changed since Amazon has made it a, you know a more obvious uh, for people to see that? So I think. Um, I actually just ironically had posted over the weekend about how Amazon, at least I saw in the U.S has post or has something on your your orders page where it shows you how many hours you've saved shopping on Amazon and they assume that every day you've purchased something uh, you've saved a little bit over around 52 minutes or so uh, and then how much money you've saved from shipping and from you know uh, uh, the uh, uh, prime deals that you've uh, that you've bought so more room to grow there but I think they are trying to get the consumer focus on this this Hey, what do you need it this fast? What is the discount since you're looking for deals on everything else and you're resonating with all the, you know, prime day, summer, prime day, summer, or fall here? Um, you know, what, how much will it change the consumer behavior? One other piece from the numerator data that was, was interesting, you know, just looking at who shopped, you know, prime big deal days or fall prime day. It really was a mix across all age, you know, an even mix for the most part across age groups, across whether you were suburban, urban, or rural, um, and and maybe you know it matches where where the uh, economy is uh, just with income levels as well. But you know, high, low, and middle, you know, a, a decent ratio there. So, um, you know, we're all looking, you know, whether it's brands, consumers, retailers, we're all looking for ways of efficiency. And is this shipping piece, uh, you know, the, the, the part that Amazon feels the 6% is worth it to get more consumers to do it versus wanting everything same day or next day? Yeah, I mean, it'd be interesting to do like a little bit of a poll in general among Amazon customers just to see how many people even notice that because it's so buried, right? 
But going back to what you mentioned, like over the weekend about time saving, to be honest, like, I'm, I'm like, I don't understand this. Like, this is so prime for like some sort of a gen AI help me organize all of the different Amazon purchases in like some, something resembling like a home procurement system, right? That if I ordering the same thing over and over, predictable pattern, usage makes sense, meaning I always get this item from Amazon, just help me organize it. Like, I don't need to get it the next day, you know, the same day or like morning delivery from 7, you know, to 11. Actually, the, the worst timing that they have is like from 4 to 8. I'm like, oh, my God, they're going to wake me up at 4 a.m. when they're going to be delivering Amazon because I have two dogs. It's just like, no, 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 no. But right, right to your, but to your point is like, that doesn't make sense. Just, you know, it doesn't have to be that immediate and it could actually help to save some packaging, et cetera. So I think this has to be a little bit of a push, but let me ask you really quick. Do you think 1% is enough or there should be a little bit of a better incentive when it comes into that? It's interesting because, well, how, how will the consumer look at this, you know, percents versus dollars off or savings? Like, do they think the percent is better just on, you know, it depends on obviously the size of purchase. So they're probably testing because if you think like before this or the percent off, they actually had options where it was anywhere from a dollar to four dollar credit for, you know, kind of the video services or anything with, uh, you know, with, with movies and music and things like that, where it gave you, hey, if you delay your shipment about a week, uh, we'll give you two dollars on your on your Amazon credit, uh, not, not to buy more products, but again, more in their video and, and music uh, ecosystem. So I, I'm sure as Amazon's doing, they're probably testing to see which is resonating. But as consumers are all looking, you know, most are looking for deals. Um, I, I think it's it's an interesting play, but also, you know, the speed factor, how much of this is uh, a result of less quick commerce options for consumers as well, right? There's still, there's still a few, you know, still a couple of them out there, but it's not as, as many as before. And even the focus on getting things in 30 minutes may not be as big as it was maybe a year ago as we were talking. Yeah, no, that's for sure. Although, you know, Uncle DoorDash, as we call it in our household, can deliver anything. So, you know, yeah, it's interesting the delivery. If you do that four to eight option in the morning that you're mentioning, like, it, like a car comes by too. It's not even the Amazon van. Um, you know, they prioritize those with just you know they they come with the Amazon vest, the person. Well, you just see a car pulling up to you. It's not the Amazon truck. So yeah, to, to your point, uh, Oscar on the dogs. I mean, it is a different experience there too, where it's just a car pulling up to your driveway uh, for those kind of quick overnight deliveries. Yeah, I mean, I could see that four to eight uh, delivery maybe for some sort of ap- apartment or maybe like some sort of a drop up box. You know, they have a lot of those Amazon pickup boxes, right? That maybe that would make sense. I don't know. That that four to eight was always bizarre. And, and I always know my luck, they're going to be there 4 a.m. right there on a the dot, not the, you know, 7.59 a.m. Right, exactly. But anyway, um, uh, as you we, you always know, you know, we kind of pay attention to what's going on in metaverse. So we've seen a few things. So uh, Amazon Prime Video um, launch virtual campus store, which you know it's kind of interesting just to be able to drive that experience. Um, we of course love it, you know, in terms of uh, what they are actually trying to do it. Then, um, of course, Walmart is getting involved in Roblox, which Roblox is one of the most popular um, uh, kind of gaming platform out there, both for kids and like my son and, you know, his new girlfriend. Let's not mention because if he listens in, 
Uh, basically, they're like, you know, all the time on Roblox playing some games. That's how they interact. And same thing we're seeing actually with uh, Maybelline um, trying to actually create new experiences, you know, for makeups. Um, but, uh, Todd, what's your kind of um, sense where we are with the metaverse and, and how CPGs are they, you know, you as a CPG, are you looking to take advantage of this or, or you think this is more melody of the future and everybody's just trying to experiment with it at the moment? Yeah, just speaking of CPG, CPG in general, I, I think well, part part of it is probably you know twofold. Um, one, you know, it's it's becoming about attention and and where are people? And while maybe not as big as we had predicted or people were talking about last year, there is still a very active and engaged for those that are active uh, in the metaverse. It's a very engaged audience. So I think if you're looking for attention, and you can see kind of the the age groups that uh, the, these stories are looking at. I think it is interesting and worthwhile to do. Uh, also, this is something if it does, you know, get broader and more people paying attention, you can't quickly spin it up. It takes a while. So maybe from a CPG perspective, some of these may be just the result of last year and investments that were made and how it's like, oh, well, we, we have to launch it. We've worked so long on the content and the tech side of this and the thinking about this that we have to, you know, have to partner. I think, the, you know, for the retailer ones, uh, you know, Walmart and Amazon on here, uh, it, it makes sense, again, just, to, you know, the customer base and, and have this option and, and get stories like this out there. Um, but for a brand perspective, if you're smart about it and you have the ability to learn, it, it's it's a little bit like maybe how you know people look at you know, countries look at space programs. It's not necessarily just about uh, the launch uh, when you know even in the U.S. when we were doing it, but it was about all the learnings that came back from it that impacted science and math departments at colleges and schools across the country. So if you're getting your organization to kind of truly think outside the box, think about how to engage with consumers in a different way, how to improve your content. It may not have the ROI like directly from metaverse pieces. And there's definitely a lot of things to be excited about, but you could impact other parts of your business as well. And then also let's not forget that the space of VR, AR, XR, Space is actually moving very quickly. So just like this past week, we had the launch of MetaQuest 3. MetaQuest 2 was one of the most popular VR headsets, sold about 10 million units. The MetaQuest 3 is much, you know, better fidelity, better graphics, etc. Um, and it's much faster just because of it has the new Snapdragon XR2 chip. Um, so a lot of those experiences are actually, you know, are getting better and better over time. And this is kind of the beautiful thing around tech, that tech doesn't like to stand still, right? So if you kind of gave it a shot, tried it, it might be another time to just to say, hey, this is a new generation of VR headset, might be a good time to, you know, check out Oculus Free, might be a good time to check out PSVR 2, uh, because those headsets are getting better and better. And then if you always say it, it's like, oh, you know, Oscar, they are very bulky, etc. cetera. Uh, you know, we definitely have seen some smaller headsets, um, you know, that are also coming up, you know, especially from the makers of uh, the big screen, which is one of the most popular, um, uh, you know, uh, VR movie watching app, you know, apps out there. So 
um, they they have a headset that is basically tiny, like you know, it's almost like close to glasses. So it's it's interesting how the whole space is developing very quickly. And I honestly think we have to just kind of figure out which direction that's going to go. For some things, we'll need a headset. For some things, you know, AR. Um, we might just need glasses. And, you know, Meta has another launch, actually, I think this Tuesday, where they are launching the new glasses with, you know, cam- cameras and AI. And I think uh, the AI is definitely the missing component because we've seen that the Google glasses, just the entire industry wasn't ready. We as consumer were not ready. But I think that AI is like the missing piece what will actually help us to find more use cases for those glasses, what, why to wear them. Because think about it, it's like, you know, you, you can go to a foreign country, look at an object, and it can tell you the entire story about it, just personalized to you, right? Or you are shopping for items in the store, and it's hard for you to find the right item. It could actually augment this and help you navigate it much quicker. So there are so many different interesting things that we could actually do with all of that technology. And, well, spe- and also on the retailer side, or just real quick, mm-hmm. Oscar, on the on the retailer side, like looking for experiences, like you could have the the you know you could have an experience where you put on the goggles, whatever set you want to go with, or the, the glasses, and you know a, a brand could have here's how we manufacture the product, like here's our facility, right, or just any kind of experience to collaborate with music, with video, whatever. So there, there's a lot of opportunity yet. And speaking about AI, you know, there's always something going on with AI and retail. Um, we even, you know, thank God retail actually has AI, you know, within its uh, letters. So it's it's always good. You know, it's very well, very well positioned. Whoever came up with retail, they probably have seen the future. Um, you know, AI has been actually the term AI, I think, has been around since 1956. There was like a Dartmouth um, College, um, some sort of a seminar where AI was actually coined it. So AI term is, is actually much older than a lot of people think. But anyway, so, you know, we, we're seeing Walmart um, is basically experimenting with uh, generative AI, just trying to enhance search. Um, you know, we also think that uh, they, they can be also, you know, looking to combine both AI and the AR together. Um, but I honestly think, you know, just helping shoppers shop is kind of a big thing. And think about it. It's like if I was Walmart, I would actually be jumping on that meta glasses, uh, smart glasses bandwagon just because of, you know, it's just so hard to find anything in the store. Um, you know, so like for me, this is like no brainer. Then we also saw Uber is actually launching AI um, functionality. And, you know, they're just trying to make it a little bit more conversational in terms of how people are interacting with it, um, just it, it does make sense. Um, I actually get very frustrated nowadays when I talk to Siri or I talk to Google Assistant because it's like I realize they were sold as smart assistant, but they are like the dumb phones of the past. They are really not that smart and they are really not that helpful, you know. So now we're actually seeing some cases where you can actually ask AI to basically tell you, it's like, hey, has my package from Amazon arrived? And it can actually look up the camera, identify the package, you know, see if there is an Amazon label on it and say, hey, it did arrive or not. Um, Klarna is actually launching a lot of the shopping tools. Um, and, you know, in terms of that, uh, to be able to help with some of the scans and then sustainability. This is some of those experiences that you, Todd, were talking about it. But, um, uh, Todd, what do you think about uh, AI in retail? Are we moving fast enough, or would you like to see more progress? 
I'd probably say both, right? I mean, there, there's some people that want the newest, you know, the newest iPhone, the newest thing and, and want to move faster, uh, both from a consumer standpoint and brand standpoint. Uh, but we also know that it takes a long time, no matter what the technology or process is for a lot of people to adopt, right? There's still people writing paper checks out there. So it takes time uh, to, to bring everyone along. So to make sure that this isn't just for those, uh, you know, p- people on the, on the cutting edge, I think it's a good approach, and especially you know you kind of look at Walmart. They they've they've done they they're hitting you know baseball playoffs are going on. They're hitting a lot of singles here, right? There, there's there's constant news coming out of them, but it's all focused around how to help the consumer save time and or money, right? When and consumers will and people will gravitate towards that. So I think. Um, not one of these necessarily is is going to be the home run that everyone adopts quickly and, and uses. But I think if you find different ways, whether it's you know helping you know if something will fit inside your home, which which has been out there from augmented reality, if it's fun uh, finding the best uh, price point, if it's from building a recipe, you know Instacart has had some things in the news recently. All these things will uh, attract different people at different times. So I think it's positive that the news is consistent as well, that it doesn't, you know, doesn't burst for a month and then go away for a while. And then even from the, you know, from the Uber side of it, I mean, if you think about like how Uber drivers are trained, they're they're told, you know, not to call the rider, to text them, that people don't want to talk. And so from from you know what they're doing here with the conversational piece kind of fits into that is how do you make the conversation even easier and faster, uh, whether they're shopping for products or, or for, for rides. So um I will, I will say both. I hope that doesn't feel like it's dodging. Let's just keep it going, you know, progress over perfection here, but continuous improvement. And let's make sure people continue to adopt this. Um, you know, one that, that I, I saw just or heard about uh, from Alexa, actually, in my news brief, uh, was that there was a fantasy football uh, Yahoo League that's using ChatGPT to help people talk smack to their other players, right? <laughs> and so maybe that's a way to just get people into, like, if you are afraid of this or you don't know what, what how to get into it, whether it's the retail side of it, Uber, all these on here, or the fantasy football example, just get people to try it and, and let's see where it goes from there. Well, you know, baseball is a little bit of a sore subject in Atlanta because Atlanta Braves did so well in regular season and then playoffs, they just bomb. So it's let's not talk about baseball in general. But, you know, <laughs> I'm joking. But the the Uber one, you know what I'm really waiting for? Like you basically get out of the airport. You don't have to order Uber. You can just walk in and just get in into the car and drive away. Like why do we have to order Uber at the airport? I don't know. Like we, we, we should do better by yeah. now. You know, this is like 2023. I expect better. So yes, that would be nice. Absolutely. So then, you know, um, you know, of course, let's not forget that, um, you know, apps also are changing and the digital experiences on mobile are also changing. Um, so we definitely see, um, you know, Costco, for example, investing, which is like, Thank God Costco is actually investing in digital experiences because, you know, as you all know, their app is not the greatest and, um, you know, their online presence is also a little bit of problematic. So we definitely um, welcome any type of enhancements to the app that you can actually scan barcodes, you know, and then basically just, you know, even do like, you know, store ratings, et cetera. So I think from from that, it's just like any time Costco does something positive, it's amazing. And then, you know, Walmart also is launching mobile subscription. 
um, they basically will um, let customers schedule any, you know, uh, deliveries for about a thousand SKUs, you know, from the app, which is, you know, the automatic deliveries just make sense. I actually am curious how Walmart's going to think about integrating with some of the AI tools of the future. Let's call them Smart Assistant 2.0, where, you know, they actually have a little bit more freedom. And are we going to see AI-driven commerce when AI can actually generate an order and then basically connect with the retail API and be able to basically just fulfill that order right away? So, um, what's your take on in terms of Walmart and then AI in general, you know, for ordering? Do you think we are close to that where AI could actually be generating orders for us? And, you know, I'm, I'm not just talking about this, the smart assistants, you know, buying something on Amazon. I'm just thinking, hey, AI could actually see, I'm predicting the need, you're going to need toilet paper. Let me order this for you so you don't have to think about that. Yeah, I think... I mean, if we take it one step back and think it's about subscribe and save, and, and sometimes the barrier auto shipped, uh, depending on the retailer, uh, the barrier for some consumers is, uh, well, yeah, but is it going? You know, are they going to jack up the price during my during the time when it gets delivered? Uh, if I forget, is it going to ship me too much, and is it going to be too hard to change? So. Um, you know, would there be a barrier to to this? Like now, a you know, a quote unquote bot is going to be ordering my product for me. Maybe for those that have that same kind of you know, auto ship or subscribe and save hesitancy, we're maybe not there yet. But I think for many, again, saving time. And if if the if the Gen AI piece that you're kind of describing is also uh, buying it at you know finding the right deal or finding deals that you maybe weren't aware of, uh, so there's an added savings there. Yes, I think people would gravitate towards this. It saves you time and money, and, and maybe there has to be an approval uh, each time, or you know, you can determine how how uh, how much scrutiny you need on the approval or how often. But yes, uh, I think it also from the retailer side and from a CPG side, uh, you know, we're all looking for ways of loyalty, right? And if this also helps with planning shipping, right, and, and from or you know, delivery, uh, you know, from from the store to the home. Um, this has a lot of opportunity, and let's not forget Walmart's also the one that has done, um, you know, put put the groceries away in your refrigerator, put the stuff away in your pantry. Uh, this really gets interesting uh, with this whole process here. I think on the on the Costco side, um, you know, the, the article, you know, one one nugget that was in there, uh, they 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 are making this kind of this, you know, hitting the singles too uh, of getting a, uh, you know, kind of progress over perfection. But they said that their app, that their rating has gone from 2.3 to 4.7. Um, and that unique visitors uh, are up 40% year over year and installs are up 46%. So you kind of look at those numbers and maybe you take the name out of it and you, you would be surprised saying that those are Costco, um, at least the last two, but it seems like what they're doing um, is again with with their club member in mind, and if you just go off the rating, at least uh, maybe it was a low bar, but it's getting better. And, and let's remember, even going back, you know, twenty twenty, you know, a lot of a lot of brands Instacart sales, a big percent of those were Costco, uh, and, and Costco kind of progressed on how much they put Instacart, you know, from bottom of the product detail page to the front of the home page, you know, that was a progression as well. So I, I think they're, they're trying to figure out what's the right balance of that club, you know, in club experience, but yet the convenience that people seek out. 
No, that's for sure. Um, but going back to that automatic delivery, I honestly think the one missing missing piece is the data and the pricing, right? Because if AI, for sake of argument, would have access to all the pricing of, let's, you know, like some sort of a cookie, toilet paper, toothpaste, whatever it is, you know, they need, and it can actually figure out that now it's the right time to stock up on it because you can save 20%. That would be super interesting to see, and that would completely change how brands and CPGs are actually marketing to people and how they are doing promotions. So, that for me, that would be tremendous way how you know the entire shopping behavior could change. Agree. And then, you know, um, of course, um, the delivery is always a hot topic. But, you know, in one of the studies, we basically seen that 95% of survey uh, consumers around the globe basically said if they don't have the right delivery for them, they would abandon the purchase. Because, you know, this is definitely something that it's like, you know, what we are basically seeing kind of, you know, just being as marketers and e-commerce practitioners, that delivery is the key. If somebody's used to seeing that, Prime logo, and we're actually going to talk about Prime later on just because of also the FTC uh, lawsuit too. Uh, they definitely, you know, they have their preferences in terms of the delivery. Uh, but it's not surprising. I mean, Todd, what do you think? Is there any surprise here that 95% people, they would say they would just drop it if their preferred their delivery uh, would not be available? No, not not surprising. If people want convenience and if it's going to be a hassle or too much work um, or it's at risk, yeah, I mean, I, I can see that being a top one. You know, it's interesting. The article also talks about uh, that, you know, sustainability. You know, I think it was uh, about six out of 10. Uh, look at the sustainability factor and just going back to the, uh, you know, not same day or, or next day shipping. I'd be, be curious, like, you know, just, yeah, yeah. How, how does this all come together when you look at it from a sustainable standpoint and how fast do I want something? Uh, how does this continue to merge together? And, you know, for me, I, I think when it comes into sustainability, I always had this vision. It's like, would it be interesting to have like one of the, you know, uh, Amazon Alexa or maybe Google Home uh, screen just show you like a render of potential pile of trash that you're generating because of all the cardboard boxes, et cetera, like and give you some sort of a sustainability score like that would definitely get people to think, you know, which items they are buying and, and trying to lower their their footprint. In general, but you know, we are not. Nobody wants to be you know, reminded of their bad behavior. So no, but it would be interesting how that could be executed, right? You could you could have the numbers uh, populated. Yeah, how many boxes you had, whatever maybe, how many shipments you had, and then that somehow generates a prompt uh, for for Mid Journey to create an image of of what that's equivalent to, you know, and pop up on your app. But uh, yeah, probably not one that people would want to do. But uh, it would be an interesting exercise. Yeah, but I was just thinking about the same thing. It's like nothing that Mid Journey could not handle, you know. So and, and we know there is a new one coming out with Dali Dali F. Version three, but we, it's still mid journey is definitely the the king. But anyway, um, so speaking about Uncle DoorDash, as my thirteen year old son calls DoorDash, um, uh, they are basically looking at the new partnerships. Uh, so they have you know uh, eight new regional grocery partners: Lowe's, Star, Starter Bros, Italy. Italy is very popular in Chicago, uh, which is great. Um, but now. Basically, uh, 99% of DoorDash monthly consumers in the U.S. have access uh, to, to the platform. So in terms of the growth, they can only grow when it's just acquiring the new retailers. 
And then the one that was actually kind of give me a pause because, you know, I still I'm trying to protect my sleep and Walmart now delivering up to, you know, 10 p.m. This is like cutting my sleep from 10 p.m. to 4 a.m. potentially be woken up. Um, so they are basically starting a new service when the orders can be actually um, delivered to you on, up to 10 p.m. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see in terms of, you know, how that's going to take up operationally. You know who they're going to be actually using? Are they going to be actually using some personnel? Maybe uh, you know from the store going back home. Eh, I'm always cu- I'm curious how people are going to actually pull this off, organizationally one and logistically wise. But uh, what's your take on uh, Todd on Walmart that late night delivery? Do you think it makes sense, or this is a little bit too extreme for Walmart? No, it depends. I mean, probably when fast food and retailers started going, you know, going back, you know, open 24 hours, there's a lot of people that say, what, what do they need to be open 24 hours for? But yet there'd be people that would walk in or order, right? Um, so now from a delivery standpoint, um, you know, in this case, Walmart or maybe others, well, is that the alternative because of staffing and other issues potentially? Do you say, hey, we don't, we don't want the stores open necessarily, but there are still, a, there's a customer base out there uh, that we do see, you know, hopefully this is data data driven that, hey, they do order late at night or they do want a delivery or they're, they're, they're taking that four to eight window in the morning because they need something that quickly. So um, if there's a market for it, I think, you know, whether you're coming home late from work, coming home late from a kid's practice, uh, late from a travel trip, whatever it may be, um, it, listen, if, if people want the convenience of it, then if Walmart wants to fill it, I, I think it's interesting. And if it's, a, if it's a better cost for them than having the store open with employees in it and, and anything else, then uh, let's see how it goes. And again, I think this is another aspect. I mean, while GoPuff is still out there, uh, a number of their, you know, you know, kind of their dark stores, you know, have closed in certain areas uh, and, and more in, you know, suburban areas. So if Walmart can fill that gap of people that were ordering from maybe GoPuff, uh, maybe there's some data that they're seeing. Yeah, so the, it's interesting the timing because when we were talking to GoPuff, uh, they always said like their prime time, you know, it's college campuses between 10 p.m. and 2 a.m., right? Uh, so it's kind of when when I saw this news about Walmart until 10 p.m. It's like, do they know something we don't know? Uh, just because of they know where the GoPuff is, but it'd be interesting to see. Like, especially I see um, the young professionals uh, because most likely people with young kids would not want actually have somebody to come in that late. You know, wake up the baby. That's like a death sentence for the entire household. Um, but you know, before that, you know, if you have a young professional, no kids. They might actually like the convenience of it, but the the timing was kind of uh, you know particular. But it'd be interesting to see like who actually delivers it. Is are they going to be relying on to for party drivers, or they're going to actually have their own Walmart delivery um, drivers just delivering those products? Right, and then the, the DoorDash one real quick. It's just interesting how that could be a percentage of how many times you order groceries from the grocery store versus order from a restaurant. Right, you could have some really interesting consumer data there. No, that that's for sure. Um, then, you know, uh, we actually, uh, seeing a lot of news around TikTok and, you know, TikTok, it's like a never ending soap opera here in the U S. Uh, but basically they are accelerating their pricing works. They are launching their holiday discounts to compete with Amazon and Walmart. So it'd be interesting to see in terms of their integration with all the different, uh, retail channels and, you know, how they are trying to compete. But 
Do you think TikTok is a viable kind of a future platform? We know for many years, Google kind of was always sitting on that search data and they could never figure out very well the commerce piece to it, right? And, and it always, like for many years, I was thinking, why Google and Walmart don't work much closer together? But do you think TikTok has a shot, you know, a shot? Well, this has been, you know, there's been other iterations of this in the past, not at maybe the level of TikTok, but social, you know, social media sites couldn't figure out the logistics or the shipping or the experience of buying, right? The e-commerce side and, and, and the buying sites like Amazon couldn't figure out how to make it social and fun in the entertainment portion. TikTok has the attention, right? And pro- probably too much attention, depending on, on, on who, how, how long you're spending on it. And, and I think they're taking a different approach of well we're we're going to build our own fulfillment center we're going to try and do this so we can you know so that experience maybe isn't as clunky uh i so listen do they have a chance sure uh absolutely i think even on amazon inspire uh you know amazon's attempt at a social social type of site on their shopping app you know, TikToks are on there from some of the uh, people that, you know, some of the, I guess, mini influencers that are posting on Amazon and Inspire. But I, I think there's still going to be concerns. You know, there's concerns in general. You know, there's, a, there, there's Montana, which, you know, hasn't gone through yet, but has passed that uh, TikTok would be banned. And, and, and how does that shape out, uh, you know, across all states if that one does end up going through early next year? But do they have the attention? Do they have maybe a different plan than other, you know, other social sites that have? Uh, yes, I think the bargain aspect is really scary, though. Um, depending on how pricing algorithms choose to or, or not to uh, find those, or how often they do, what products are impacted by this, and is that really a long-term strategy? Uh, for you know, for TikTok, just these really deep discounts, and how does that impact the entire pricing ecosystem with you know other retailers that may or may not scrape them? So, uh, it's probably the pricing piece that uh, I'll watch closer. But uh, I think TikTok has the attention and, and and could be viable here. Yeah, because you know if you think about it, this TikTok doesn't have to make money off retail, right? They make money off advertising, and they are trying to get more and more audience. So I think from that perspective, this is like one of those situations where your core business not necessarily you know has to be impacted, and you can actually mess up the entire retail space just by being a little bit more aggressive. But speaking about that, uh, you know, TikTok in Montana, what I've read is that a lot of the teenagers there, they are basically acting as any teenagers in China and Russia and learning all about VPNs, how to circumvent, you know, local government band. I mean, it's just like, <laughs> for me, those local bands are kind of a little bit of funny because the teenagers, you know, they will find their way to get their content, no matter what, you know, and, and, and you know, even if, you know, TikTok made them buy it or did not make them buy it, they already hooked on the platform. Yeah, and I think the data will be interesting with what TikTok provides for brands or for advertisers, right? Well, how much data will they provide? I know there was an article uh, I was talking about that they they have you know their marketing package is calling it uh, hashtag audiences uh, that will say people that are most likely to buy a brand's product, but. What will that data look like? How often will brands get it? How reliable will it be? I mean, I think this comes down to you know all advertising decisions, but I think that's going to be a big part of the story as well. And here's here's another one that it's, was kind of we paying attention to is, but for not the reasons you're actually thinking. So, number one is that Amazon is reopening the seller fulfill Prime. 
and basically nixing a lot of the fees. And then they also launching a lot of the Gen AI tools um, to basically help sellers to write product descriptions, which, you know, we know that that was actually happening. But here's the thing. I honestly think some of those moves have to do with the FTC lawsuit, no matter, no, no matter what. And the reason for it is because the FTC lawsuit, the one that just came in about a month ago, was specifically talking about sellers, that they are basically putting them in a disadvantaged position, et cetera, and then just stacking up fees on the top of them. And they are just basically like, like in a death spiral. So some of those moves for seller fulfill prime, um, you know, and nixing some of those fees, it, it might be purely a little bit of a PR. I don't want to call it a stunt, but PR move just to trying to counter the narrative at front of the FTC. But what do you think? Do you think government actually is this the right approach by the government with with Amazon? Like, what what do you think, Todd? I think it's an interesting case that they didn't, you know, necessarily, you know, they, I think they call it the online superstore and, um, you know, I heard, heard a podcast recently, you know, they're like, where, where have you heard that term before using the industry necessarily? And they didn't factor in, I think it was, you know, D to C private, you know, private labels. So there's a lot of things excluded to kind of, you know, change that denominator. Um, but, you know, to, to the story here, and, and I think, you know, I think it's also though, especially the Gen AI piece or product descriptions, it's also about conversion, right? Like in tougher times of getting attention and getting audiences or when people are looking for deals, uh, how do you improve your conversion? And at least for you know the sellers in this point, you know, listen, one P brand should be doing the same thing. How do you make your content better? And Gen AI can do that at such a scale. I, I'm really curious, especially on Amazon here with these two stories, you know, six months, 12 months from now, does that percent change of, of sales of 1P versus 3P? And then if shared, you know, what, what do conversion rates look like? How are they different for ones that use Gen AI help to write the product descriptions versus ones that didn't? But I think, you know, one thing that the FTC lawsuit a little bit missed is the growth of the third party basically sales and number of sellers right increasing over and over like for me that's like the the long impact amazon a little bit of walking away from 1p which they they were very public about it that over time they are basically going to become a technology platform and not a retailer right they're going to be providing services is the one that is actually like super interesting to see why the government decided on this angle versus the other. Like, I, I would actually focus on artificially maybe controlling prices. You know, we know, especially some of the prime deals are not prime deals that sellers on everyday basis sometimes have lower prices than sometimes on prime day, right? Um, and it's very important to, like, use sites like Camel, Camel, Camel to actually see if this is truly the lowest price that it has been ever offered, you know, which I highly recommend. So, it's 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 interesting how it's all kind of playing out, but we also seeing some of the moves um, that are being made is that there could be a little bit of a response just because of some of the legal issues that the retailer have, and we know the big tech and all the government uh, legislation against it. It's 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 in a particular you know space where you know it can go a lot out of different ways. But speaking about Am- Amazon. They, are, of course, want to compete with Starlink, and they are actually about ready to uh, send some of the satellites into the space. 
and basically create a little bit of a competition for Starlink. So their project, uh, Coupier, will basically create uh, and kind of a network. The challenge we, of course, there is, number one is there is an existing, you know, uh, a network from Starlink. And then, you know, like there, a lot of this will, because it's a low orbit satellite, will require a lot of the, the debris. And already we're hearing is the astronauts and um, astro- astronomers actually are thinking about, um, you know, there's a lot of issues, you know, watching the space just because of there are so many satellites, etc. Just creating a lot of noise out there is but on the flip side we also know starling has announced a lot of those partnership with t-mobile basically to say you're never gonna have a dead space whatever you are in the whole planet just because of you know the t-mobile network can actually fall back onto the internet satellite so it's a little bit of like one of the situation we do need compet- competition let's hope it will not bite us in the back later on where we'll have to clean up all of this different mess because you know it's very hard to uh, you know, clean up any debris in the space. We don't have the technology yet. And let's hope, you know, it all works well, you know, in terms of that. But Starlink definitely got a lot of the um, uh, press coverage, especially what was happening in Ukraine. Um, and even at the moment in places like Gaza, uh, where, you know, basically Starlink is a reliable way of actually getting the internet service. So Amazon trying just catching up with that. Uh, it definitely makes sense. But uh, Todd, anything about this in terms of what you're thinking? I, I think a version, you know, of the space 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 internet service from Amazon, you know, has been, uh, you know, something you know talked about for a number of years. And at one point, it was before other competition kind of came in. I was like, well, if Amazon offers, you know, more internet or internet to more people, like, wow, what an advantage that would be. But that that was literally about five years ago yes now it's come to fruition but to your point um you know what, what is the market for it and and yes this we'll just call it the space junk factor um is is one that should be considered um and you know i i just i don't know if now this is an advantage as much of an advantage as they thought when they maybe first started this project but it, it's interesting to see how this will progress yeah, you know, the, the modernization of it too, you know, in terms of all of it, is, is it going to be bundled up with the the prime service? I mean, there is still talk about Amazon thinking about creating some sort of a mobile network, right? Is this part, part of that plan? We know that they failed, you know, with the phone, uh, the Echo phone that they had way back. Uh, yeah. But that was that was a hardware piece. It wasn't a service piece. This is a little bit different when it comes into that. Yeah, well, just what, how will the consumer respond? Yeah. No, exactly. Um, uh, Todd, you know, thank you very much. Um, any final uh, kind of, you know, words of wisdom in terms of what you what, what makes you excited for the rest of the year? Is this anything specifically that you're looking towards? Um, it could be tech, it could be retailer, it could be service. But um, anything like that that um, makes you excited for the rest of the year? Yeah, I mean, it's fourth quarter. It's exciting for all of us. But I, I think I'll, I'll kind of touch on, you know, PDP content. And as much as of an impact that it, it makes already, if you if you believe in digitally influenced sales, which you should. Uh, but now as more in-store retail media options pop up, it more screens being repurposed. Uh, the ability of generative AI to create more content, uh, potentially, either both from the retailer and or the brand perspective. 
I think the importance of, of product detail page content, be it images and copy, are going to be such uh, uh, of such importance. And the scrutiny now, instead of just being on the mobile app, uh, uh, impacting you know a, a low percentage of the business, as some people think that now if it starts popping up at an in-store screen, uh, and, and the quality is not good enough, um, or your content score for those that score you is not. Uh, I think brands really should be, you know, thinking about that. And I think there's just a lot of opportunities. How do you improve your conversion? How do you improve your PDP content? See, I'm I'm excited about two things. Number one is I think we have a big opportunity as an industry to talk about more omni content, omni retail media, right? Holistic end to end approach, and I think. You're going to see a lot of the content, especially from us, coming out very soon about that. Because we, we have to create a situation where we're starting to eliminate the silos. And a lot of the times, you know, we see a lot of the new digital teams being either retail heavy or, you know, e-commerce heavy. And they can't find the kind of a, a happy medium. But we, we know at the moment content is king. Content becomes currency with the retailers. And to be frank, the, the one thing that I'm also also looking on the hardware side, we also starting to see a lot of people, a lot of smart, talented people like Johnny Ive working on new uh, consumer devices, kind of integrating AI and physical objects. So we have the uh, humane, humane AI pin. We have the meta glasses. I, I'm honestly going to say we're going to see a lot of that convergence um, of technology and AI together, where it's, you know, it's going to make our smart assistant look like a dumb assistant, you know, the one that we actually had for the last 10 years, you know, starting with Amazon Echo. So that's kind of what I'm excited about. But if that comes to fruition next year, that also going to put a lot of the challenges for us um, as content creators, uh, basically making sure that our brands can take advantage of all of this. Because as Todd rightfully said, is it takes a long time to create experiences on Roblox. And not to mention, we also as brand marketers, that we have to learn those new technologies. And it's not easy. This is highly technical versus what we've been actually dealing uh, in the past with e-commerce. So it'd be interesting to see how it all plays out. But Todd, uh, thank you very much for joining us and and filling in for Chris. Um, always a pleasure to talk to you and kind of geek out about you know what the future brings and what is the impact and, and trying to organize those news. So thank you very much for coming. Thank you. And then uh, let's not forget, you know, we still have few events left in the year. Uh, so uh, just next week we have you know our JBPX Target e-commerce growth summit. So we're going to be talking all two days all about Target and Target had really challenging year because you know we're seeing a lot of the data coming in, uh, you know from Circana from Profitero. So it's going to be interesting to to see. So like if you're struggling with Target and we know about ninety eight percent of categories were actually struggling year today on target.com uh, come on in you know we might give you some new ideas you know for 2024 uh, to be able to think about it we also going to have two two smart uh, events one of them smart ops you know we're going to talk about operations e-commerce workflows uh, and how to really streamline the way you're operating in e-commerce which is absolutely critical and then um, most likely we're going to have the smart money in december i think chris and i are still debating about the date uh, but this is all about e-commerce profitability. What do we need to do? How to measure? Because especially in a challenging retail environment, 
uh, it's very hard to to get this right. And then of 12-12, we're going to have another and probably last for the year future of event. We're going to be talking about the future of fulfillment. Uh, of course, we're going to geek out about some drones, but a lot of this is also going to be how to use the smart data. We're going to talk about sustainability. So if you're interested in this, 12-12 is your date. And then let's not forget, we still have two Cyber Mondays uh, to go. So the first one is in November, then we're going to have one in December. Uh, so come on over. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of new, exciting news. Um, the Q4 is always like a big tech uh, you know, reveal. So there's going to be a lot of new things coming out and we can always geek out about it. And I'm sure retailers are also gearing up, um, you know, for their busy season of Black Friday, Cyber Monday. So there's going to be plenty to discuss. But uh, thank you very much for joining us. And as Chris always says, you know, don't be a stranger. If you need something, just email us. Just email us at um, chris at firstmover.com or Oscar spell with a K at firstmover.com. Or if you want to get both of us, uh, just email to hello at firstmover.com. But uh, thank you very much. Uh, this is it. So stay safe. Uh, I know it's very cold nowadays, so stay warm too, uh, just because of we, we finally have the fall, even in Atlanta where I'm based. So um, stay safe, stay, stay warm, and have a great day.